You're eating. Yeah, I'm having a biscuit because... Oh, well, don't, don't let me get in your way. I mean, we're only recording a podcast. That's fine. No, because I haven't had any lunch because I went out. I, I've, it's my, this is my day off. I haven't, I've got is a it? day off. This is annual leave. Is it? And, and I'm doing a podcast. What else are you going to do? You can't do I anything. I can't answer. I'm eating a biscuit. Oh, ridiculous. Welcome everybody to episode 138 of the Mid Faith Crisis podcast. You're, you have a go at me for eating a biscuit, yeah. but you're drinking beer. <laughs> Only a little bit. Shh, Rachel doesn't know. <laughs> I think she'll find out. I know. Anyway, episode 138 of the Mid Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. Mm. That drunkard over there is Joe Davis. Hello. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> well, a number of things. Firstly, what a success mm. lockdown has been in control. <laughs> we so we started we started off in tier one, okay, which was the lowest tier, and yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, and then we go into lockdown with all these severe restrictions, and mm. we come out and we're in tier two, higher. So yeah, now we definitely can't yeah. see anyone. I definitely can't come and see you for Christmas, which I know you'll be heartbroken about. Uh, and uh, well, I think I think you'll find they're going to relax everything at Christmas, just for just for Christmas. <laughs> so it's all going to go free for all at Christmas, and then we'll be back in these tiers. I noticed that the only areas that are in tier three, which is mm. the is that the is that the severest? Or the yeah, no, the yeah, only areas yeah, that are tier one. The only areas that are tier one are Cornwall, yeah. the Isle of Isles of Scilly, and the Isle of Wight. <laughs> yeah. So tier one is roughly like being in the nineteen fifties, then judging on that <laughs> geographical. Is that what it is? I think is it so. Like... I would yeah. imagine so. <laughs> yeah, no, we're in tier two again, which is a real oh, b- oh, because because yeah, no. I can't go to the pub for a drink. I have to go. You can only go to the pub and have a drink if you're having a quote substantial meal. Okay, so that's not going to stop me going. <laughs> but, what, but what's a substantial meal? Is it like a really big pork pie? Yeah, it like, it's like six bags of crisps instead yeah. of one. I mean, what? How does that work? Oh, I don't uh, know. Anyway, commiserations to all you, our dear listeners, yes. who are in tier three and tier two, and oh, just just in yeah, tears. Full stop. Just in tears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we feel your pain. Do you know what I miss? I miss. I miss the 90s. I was thinking about this today. Oh, really? And, yeah, I loved the 90s because I was a young, keeny student at college and, you know, minister in training. And, you know, every now and then, um, they'd, you know, people would be excited because some South Africans coming to town or someone who's written a book or someone who's done something important and they're yeah. going to come and talk about how to live a very triumphal and victorious and successful life. And then at the end of their rather tedious talk... You, you'd go into a ministry time, and being the keeny mm. I always was, of course I'd go forward, and people would have words over you. Do you remember when people used to have words over you, Nick? Well, I had loads of words over you in the nineties. Yeah, I don't. I don't, mean, I don't know how uh, encouraging they were. I don't. I don't mean those particular words, <laughs> which are still not often heard at Christian conferences, but. <laughs> they, uh, 
<laughs> these were proper words and they were always words about how God's got big plans and how what a significant yeah. leader of men I'm going to be. I go, I was I don't I had that word a number of times. Did too you? too Did often you? to be a coincidence, I think. I mean, talk about setting you up for a massive midlife crisis when you wake up one yeah. day and realize you're not a particularly successful and you certainly don't lead men. I mean, I, I And I'm, it was it was only men, was it? You uh, weren't yes. allowed to lead other things. Well, you, you one wouldn't lead women, one wouldn't dare. We'd fear them. <laughs> it was always. It's going to be a leader of men. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm even a leader of fish. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I can barely lead myself to breakfast nowadays. <laughs> You're this... going to be a leader of small animals, exactly. small mammals. Exactly, and I'd be very happy with that as well. But the point is, at the time, you left feeling so glowing and important mm. and uh, mm. significant. We don't do that anymore. Maybe we should revive it in this podcast somehow. Well, I think the interesting thing there is, is firstly, you know, yes, it's expectations, isn't it? I, I've met quite a few casualties of that, yeah. people who've been told they're going to be leaders and never turned out to be leaders. Well, surely I'm one of them. <laughs> Well, look, well, look how that ended up. <laughs> oh, and tremendously well. Um, and 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 I think it, it's quite bad. The other thing is, you know, God, yes, God has big plans for you. God never has small plans for anyone. No, you never go forward and go. Actually, God has some quite uh, moderately tiny plans for yeah. you. Yeah. You're you're going to possibly put in a new patio. Yeah. And uh, and uh, and I think yeah. you'll get a sort of small middle management job. Yes. Um, and, and that'll be quite good. And your diet will be mostly healthy. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have a perfectly OK time on the whole and your football team will uh, will never achieve greatness. <laughs> the most unspectacular prophecy <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, so. you know, people stand up in church, they never give prophecies like going, well, you know, God says, I don't mind either way. Really? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, you know, you're doing all right. That's Nothing true. special. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. It's true. Yeah, well, oh, I don't dear. know. Presumably those conferences still go on and people still fly all over. Well, not at Do the they? moment. I they don't fly know. all over the world. But, but that was the other thing. People always... It always struck me when people were going to these ones where there was like, yeah. um, you know, a big out break of the spirit and you could go bottle it somewhere you know what you could go somewhere with a little right, bottle yeah. collect it and bring it back I love it's that. always nice not unlike it covid always... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was always nice places wasn't it It was always like you yeah. go to canada or yeah. or america they never went yeah. to places you know oh look there's been an outbreak in the middle of africa let's go there no no don't go there because the restaurants weren't so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm Maybe. a tad cynical about <laughs> it. Yes. Hey, but listen, if you're feeling cynical, let me tell you about a lovely church. The one that you're going to preach at as well, I understand. So this is oh, the one uh, in yes, Southampton. Ah, right. oh, oh. I spoke there via Zoom on Sunday. And here's what I particularly respect about this church. And big shout out to Con and to Nick there. Thank you for your kind words and hospitality. But... Um, <laughs> So so he did the little preach and then they have these little breakout groups. Mm. And uh, someone, which I thought was quite an unusual thing, was just charged at the beginning of writing a limerick about me, which I thought was an unusual uh, spiritual exercise. Anyway, they did. <laughs> and I like it. And, she, and they sent it to me. Uh, it says, we once had a talk from Pastor Joe. He taught us about kindness, you know. He enjoyed a good joke, a slightly irreverent bloke, but he's given us some get up and go. I quite like that. <laughs> Thank you, Erica. I love that. 
That's nice. Yeah. The spiritual gift of limericks. Now, that is good. Yeah, I like that. It's good. very good. Oh, and can I also say, regarding oh. Soul Place and things like this, because you know, you know I'm in that whole sort of zone with funerals about moment. Like, you know, I don't just want to do funerals. I want to do others. I like doing this stuff and other things. And I mean, I know I like to think I put the fun into funeral, oh. but sometimes you just think, hmm. I'm slightly enough to do it. Anyway. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that on your business card? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Putting the fun into funeral. No, it's not on my business card. Anyway. <laughs> so we got this Soul Place group. If you haven't joined yet, listeners, do join in if you want to on Facebook. And I think we're going to do a Zoom and we're going to do another little faith questions this Sunday. So if you're not, you know, attending churches virtually or anything at 10 o'clock this Sunday, come and join us. That'd be fun. Have you um, thought about, you know, if you want to do more than funerals, yeah, you want yeah. to sort of lead churches, have you thought about becoming a minister of a church? <laughs> no. <laughs> just, uh, I'm just throwing it out there. It's a word, if you like. It's an interesting thought. Hang on. I, I think you will be a leader of badgers. Thank you. I've, hang That's on. for you. Just let me receive that. Mm, thank mm, you. Mm, yes, thank good. you. Now listen, enough. How are you? What's I'm, going on? I'm all right. Yeah. Well, I'm on a day off. Oh yeah. Uh, of course. As I seem to have mentioned, and uh, I've just been out bird watching, which is very oh, nice. Oh great! What did you see? I saw red starts. Did you? And scorp, which are a kind of duck. Yes, they are. Duck, and uh, a great northern diver. Oh, were that. That's incredibly impressive. Mm, yeah, it's not bad. That's yeah. in the reservoir. Oh, so that was nice. That's yeah, a nice a day. Yeah, so um, I need it. I need a. I've got a couple of days off, and I really need it because I'm, I'm finding. You know, I'm, I always know when I'm getting tetchy at work or when things are happening, and I feel out of control and all this kind of stuff. I need some time off. But I've got lots of PR to do coming up for the book. That is because you've written a spectacularly good book called Christmas well, Tradition, Truth and Total Baubles. We're coming on to that. Should we? Have excellent. we got time for one bit of feedback before we do that? Yes, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, we've had more, but I'll just do this one because I, you know, want to get to the book, quite frankly. But this this seemed great. And I thank you, Chris, so much for writing in. He says, hi, Joe, Nick, can I start by congratulating you on doing a podcast about restorative justice on the closing day of International Restorative Justice Week? It is another <laughs> fantastic example of your meticulous advanced planning. So well done. Well, fantastic. Well, yeah. we we thank like to put these things in the calendar. Thanks for noticing, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And what a fluke. For the first and only compliment we'll ever get about our planning. Anyway, yeah. he says, <laughs> he says, I've often felt compelled to write in, but up until now, I've left this to my much more articulate and intelligent, but not so good-looking older brother Matt to get into debates with Nick on subjects such as history, archaeology, original Hebrew, or other equally fascinating subjects. Nice. He says, however, as a policeman who works with prolific offenders to help reduce their offending, the topic of justice is definitely my bag and something I'm quite passionate about. So he says, I'm a huge advocate of restorative justice and have seen firsthand the power it has to heal both the victim and the perpetrator. He says, I had the privilege of meeting an inspirational man last week. He was a renowned prolific offender, entrenched in his offending well into his 40s. His life has been transformed by learning from his victims about the impact his actions had on them. Up until this point, he had no comprehension of the harm he had caused, and this set him on the road to recovery. It was humbling and moving to be in his company and to hear his story of restoration. That's amazing, isn't it? 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, the team I work with is branded turnaround, which is a reflection of our vision to see offenders stabilise their lives and in turn reduce their offending and the harm they cause in the community. The group, offers, uh, the group of offenders we work with, all without exception, have suffered some form of trauma in their past. Recognising this is essential in understanding triggers for their offending and realising that often their offending or harmful behaviour is a sign and symptom of crisis. The trauma-informed approach goes a long way to building rapport and trust, and it is from this grounding that we can affect change. As the police, we still have to hold individuals to account and bring them to justice, but this can be done in a way where the individual is treated with compassion, dignity and respect. This compassionate justice approach can empower individuals to take responsibility for their behaviour and is essential to building long-lasting success and change. Admittedly, not all police share my views on this, but I will keep working on them. So to answer your closing question about living justly, this is what I'm passionate about. I look at the offenders we work with and my heart breaks. Jesus said he came so that people may have life and live it to the full. The group of offenders my teams and I work with are not living life to the full. However, I don't think these people need to be told about Jesus. They need to be loved and treated the way Jesus would treat them, or even more radically, treated as if they were Jesus, i.e. when I was hungry, you fed me when I was a prisoner, you visited me. He says, as for your debate about God's justice, I think that God will judge with compassionate justice, seeing the, the individual and all that they have been through. Anything beyond this, who knows? My mid-faith crisis is summed up perfectly by episode 117, and I subscribe to the theology of I don't know for so much now, especially the afterlife. In, afterlife. in fact, on the afterlife, I don't know drifts into I don't care. <laughs> what I do care about is that we are called to bring a bit of heaven to earth now. We are called to act justly, love mercy and to walk humbly with God. Let's not get distracted from how we live now by worrying about what might be to come. And uh, thanks for all you do. What a great email. What a brilliant email. Thank you. Absolutely lovely. And thank you uh, for uh, all the work that you're doing, yeah. uh, Chris. I think that's uh, amazing. I mean, the stuff I saw some time back when I was involved with it in terms of restorative justice was just wonderful. And, um, you know, it's yeah. it's a sh it's shameful, really, in this country that we haven't embraced it more and that we haven't, uh, you know, we keep yeah. banging people up for, yeah. you know, yeah. long stretches. Extraordinary. Uh, it does nothing for them. But that's great. Chris, uh, thoughts and prayers are with you. That's brilliant. It's, you it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how often Matt's written him, but... You know, he's got some way to go to beat that. So yeah, I'm just yeah. I prefer Chris. I don't know. About yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know whether Matt's a leader of men. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't just don't know enough about him. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. We can laugh now. Right. Listeners, it is my huge pleasure to introduce to you a man who can only be described as an author. It is, in fact... <laughs> he's no leader of men... No. He's got no friends. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Uh, he is the author of Christmas, Tradition, Truth and Total Warbles. It's Nick Page. Thank you. Uh, hang on, let me do a round of applause. You can... Yes, I'll put oh, some right. more in, I think. Would you? Thank you. Maybe a bit of cheering. Yeah, OK. So, Nick, before we get going, firstly, mm. I want to say this, and I'm going to say this as genuinely and authentically as I can. Well done. 
I absolutely loved it. I thought it was I thought it was really brilliant. I love your style now. It feels like you've got the flow. And mm. uh, and it's really funny, but it's a great way to convey truth with humour, which I suppose is what we <laughs> poorly attempt to do on this podcast from time to time. <laughs> but why are we more open when stuff's funny? I don't know. I'm definitely it's more It's because it's honest, I think. I yeah. mean, I thought, I've been thinking about this quite a bit recently, but it, uh, uh, the link between honesty and humour and... You know, I think that's what we respond to. People connect. When when you're being funny, if you can make somebody laugh, then they think they open up to you because they think, oh, he's a human being. He's yeah. not taking himself yeah. too seriously. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think people open up. So, yeah. Well, I I loved it. And uh, before, we, Good, thank before, you. We, before we get into it, I, mm. I, I just kind of in my ignorance, because um, mm. I have never written a book, and nor will I ever, most probably. But uh, how long does it? I mean, have you ever added up the hours you spend writing a book? How how long does it take? Um, it sort of depends, really. It's very hard. That's extremely hard to answer because with a lot of books, uh, I might have spent years thinking about it. Not so much with this one, but with like mm. the Bible, the Baddy Behaved Bible. That mm. was something I'd spent 10 years thinking about all that stuff, really, and, and working on it. But the book itself, well, I mean, most of the podcast listeners have lived through this one, haven't yeah. they? This, yeah, this one was right. <laughs> was commissioned, conceived and written during the um, yeah. life of the podcast. So um, mm. it, it probably took me... About six months, I think, to write this thing. You Gross. know, it, over, I wrote it over the course of six months, but yeah. but uh, research took a bit longer. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's extraordinary because it strikes me. I, uh, you know, is that is that economical? I mean, well, you don't write for all that time. Nobody, no. when an author says, "Oh, it took it took five years to write this book," mm. they never took five years writing nine hours a day. You know, eight no, hours sure. a day to to write mm. that book. Nobody does that. So. You can only really write seriously for, I think, for sort of two hours, two or three hours at a time chunk. So mm. so um, when I say it took six months, that's the duration of what I was working at. And some days I do a lot more than others. Yeah. As for economical, no, probably not. Yeah. So that's why I have another job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a lot of authors do. Very, yeah. very few authors make a living at it because... Um, uh, you know, there isn't. You've got to sell a lot of books to make a living full time. And even those who sell a lot of books do other things. They do talks and they do yeah, yeah. Um, That's where they TV get. or whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's part of a mixed economy, mm. I believe, yeah. is the word. Okay. Mm. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Um, mm. Do you fancy reading us a bit from it? Okay. Look, I'll read you a bit from the very uh, beginning or close to the beginning. Yeah. All right. Um, this will tell you a little bit about why I wrote it, I suppose. Um, misinformation about Christmas is everywhere. And like the festival itself, it's growing year by year. The internet is largely to blame. In the run-up to every Christmas, another sleigh load arrives packed with articles, e-books, blog posts, tweets and assorted festive rants. Some of these are historical. Christmas is really a pagan festival. Cromwell banned Christmas. Christians stole the date of the festival from an existing Roman festival. They might be folkloric. Mistletoe is a druidic ritual. Christmas is really the pagan festival of Yule. Or they may be to do with social history. Santa Claus's costume was invented by Coca-Cola. Prince Albert introduced Christmas trees to Britain. Christians too pile them on thick as well. Each year we sing carols that are full of historical nonsense, which tell us that there were three kings, or that Jesus was born in a stable, or that a drummer boy arrived at the nativity and was apparently welcomed. 
It's astonishing how much misinformation there is out there, and it's simply passed on each year, re-gifted like that fondue set you've never taken out of its box and that now serves as an emergency present for somebody else. <laughs> Christmas is a time of traditions, and one of the strongest traditions appears to be talking utter baubles. And few books sum this up as much as one of the most misinformed, misguided, and possibly morally dangerous books about Christmas ever written. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Ladybird Book of Christmas Customs. <laughs> Obviously, when I started researching this book, I went straight to the reputable sources. And what could be more reputable than a Ladybird Book? Exactly. For those of us who grew up in the 60s and 70s, this was how we learned our history, through the Ladybird Books. I'll be sharing some of the Ladybird Book of Christmas, Christmas Customs as we go along. But I have to say I'm disappointed. I mean, it's nicely illustrated, of course, although, as is so typical with children's books of the early 60s, there is something of a lack of diversity. But there's a lack of academic rigour that is alarming. To think that this was the same company that fired up my historical imagination with Alexander the Great, Captain Scott, and the hard-hitting documentary Tootles the Taxi. So, frankly, I was forced to do a lot more research than I'd hoped. <laughs> it's really... <laughs> thank you i mean it, i mean you you mentioned facebook and i think you're absolutely right i think social media every year stuff gets shared and of course because it's on social media it's obviously true um yes you know especially if your friends shared it um so so it seems like it was quite a timely book to write this just to kind of set the record straight i mean i i worry for people who don't read it to be honest. Well, <laughs> well, I don't think anybody's going to be particularly sort of doomed by believing yeah. some odd things about Christmas. I, I suppose it comes from this thing that I have about truth, wanting at least the facts to be straight. You know, yeah. how you interpret them is up to you. But as we've encountered many times on this podcast, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, I don't know if it's a particularly good feature of me, but I don't like it if, 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 if you know, I know something just isn't true that yeah. is being passed around as though it's yeah. it's absolutely, you know, historical fact. It just bugs me, really. It's just, and so there are a lot of that about Christmas. Yeah, definitely. And it's a strange thing in this kind of Trumpian post-truth world, whether and to what extent people care about whether something they choosing to believe is true anymore um i mean i i got but see, i want to read this can i just read this and then we won't read anymore because people should okay. buy the book they shouldn't rely on us reading it to them i mm. you know but i mean you said it and it was in the context i think of the yule log you were just going through these things that we hold dear as massively long traditions and actually discovering that these traditions were not nearly as ancient as they made out. So you said to hear about the Yule Log, which is a way into this. The Yule Log, which so many books tell us is a really an ancient pagan custom, dates from uh, 1725. There's no mention <laughs> of it before then. None of the pagan accounts say anything about burning logs. I'm not saying they didn't. I mean, it's sodding cold in Iceland. So, of course, <laughs> you would put the heating I've on. I've forgotten I might <laughs> yeah. that. And all that horse meat doesn't cook itself, you know, but it wasn't to do with any ritual other than getting warm. None of this is to decry modern neo-pagans who want to burn a log. It's a free world, but you don't need to claim it's old to validate it. Lighting a Yule log links you to a tradition that dates back 300 years, and that's fine. It doesn't have to go 
back to the Vikings in order to be a valid tradition. All I'm saying is that there's no need to pretend it goes back to the Vikings. And and it seemed to me that that's something I've heard you say in, in various guises recently. And normally when I'm going off on one on Celtic Christianity, as yes, to be said, you yes. know, you... You, you're. I've often noticed you're very quick to point out. Oh, ha- just hang on. You know, you're making out like this predates Christ almost. <laughs> mm, <laughs> and, yes. Yes. Uh, actually, just to be clear, this happened. You know, in 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I think that's it. I, I think in that, I I talk a little bit more about neo paganism after that. You know, I think it's it muddies the waters because, um. You know, a lot of if you're pagan, you can do what you want, but you know, if, uh, don't forget the word neo is in there. You're new. You're not the same as people in the past. So unless you're going to go the full sort of um, mile, full distance, and sacrifice mm. a, a horse or something, yeah. you know, don't <laughs> yeah. call yourself a pagan because you're not really in the same way. But I think the point is, so there's something about the past mm. that we appeal to to give things validity. Mm. And I think it's a lack of confidence sometimes in things. So, you know, you, things have to be ancient. Um, I mean, a classic example of this is something like the Enneagram, which we've talked about mm. a, a lot. Yeah. You know, and if you read books on the Enneagram, they trace it all back to Evagrius of Pontus, I believe it is, who's a mm. sort of quasi-desert father in Syria in about the, the 5th century or 6th Good name. century. Mm. Yeah. Except it's absolutely nonsense. You know, it's not the same thing at all. It's ridiculous, but I know why they're doing it. It's because a lot of people are kind of having a go, having a pop at it and saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's all modern nonsense." Yeah. But it presupposes that anything modern is is sort of invalid, is not true. Whereas, you know, it's fine. We're inventing tradition all the time. We're inventing new ways of connecting with the divine all the time. So we don't actually have to find it as a historical. Um, sort of, uh, you know, to find its historical yeah. ancestors, to prove it's yeah. okay to do it. Yeah, um, no, I agree. It's fine to write, uh, to, to, to fire up a, a Yule log. Just do it, it's fine. Oh, enjoy yourself, knock yourself yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't <laughs> yeah, literally yeah. knock yourself yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that appeal? And I wondered whether it's a sort of postmodern response to modernism. You know, if, if it's sort of the modernism we understand came around in the sort yeah. of 16th, 17th centuries, then we, we want to make sure anything we're now saying sort of has its origins before that so that we, yes, so that we validate that's true. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And yeah. I think it's like there's a sense in which... I mean, I opened the book by talking about how the idea, you know, that there's a basic idea that Christmas was always better in the past. You know, that Christmas mm. is not the same kind of thing as it was. And and that's mm. an idea that goes back mm. and back and back. Yeah, Everywhere yeah. you find writers going, well, it was yeah. better in the olden days. Yeah, day. yeah. <laughs> and, and um, you know, and and I think even now we go, we, we like analogue things. You know, people with... There was that phase recently, not long back, where people would put sort of old-fashioned um, telephone ringtones on their mobile phone. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, where, yeah, you, yeah. And you thought... Yeah. Why are you doing this? And I think it was a kind of a nostalgia. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah. a Phone simpler time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of odd. So I think there's a lot of that going on in, in people's looking at history, yeah. Yeah, and I, I must admit, I mean, some things really surprised me. That you, I mean, so so the device that you use is this idea of baubles 
hanging on a Christmas tree. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at these baubles one at a time. And you guys have to say your shortest chapter on the origins of the Brussels sprout. I profoundly disagreed with your conclusion. Um, it's on not that. on the origins of the Brussels sprout. It's just, on, it's just, it just on whether Brussels sprouts should I, be allowed. It's all it is. I don't want to spoil it for the readers. No spoilers, <laughs> no, that's please. True. <laughs> OK, but, you know. It's uh, a very simple chapter. It appealed to me because it was the shortest chapter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, but things like the, the nine lessons, you know, you ah, assume yeah. the church has been doing this more or less, at least since, you know, the 1500s, yes, let's yes. say. Well, let's yes. say since we separated from Rome. Let's, let's put it... But um, but you you claim, Nick yes. Page, author yes. of Christmas Tradition, Truth and Total Baubles, that yes. it is not that old. No, it isn't. It only <laughs> dates back to the late 19th century, sort of 1880-odd. And um, but actually, even singing hymns in church is not that old. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. It, although uh, um, we know that for the early church they sang. Yeah. We don't really know what they sang. And we know there's always been church music, obviously yeah. choirs singing. But the idea of congregational singing is not that old. So mm. um, nobody was singing carols in church, in mainstream churches, before about sort of 1830, 1840. And then sort of like Methodist churches and those kind of churches, nonconformists, yeah. who, who had a kind of mission to reach out to the poor, started singing ordinary songs that people could join in with. And then gradually the Anglican church joined in. So yeah. the carol service itself only dates back to uh, the late 19th century and really didn't get become popular until it was broadcast. Um, yeah. It was, it was King's, King's College started their carol service in 1918. Yeah. You know, for many of us, that's the start of Christmas, isn't yeah. it? Like yeah, Christmas yeah, Eve, yeah, yeah, yeah. three o'clock, King's thing. College, nine lessons in carols. It only dates back to 1918, and really only since 1928 has it been a sort of um, big fixture. fixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet you'll often find it just sort of described as going back hundreds of years. And it, it, mm. it, uh, that, the, So the two main themes of the book, really, are, firstly, um, if it looks pagan, it must be pagan. <laughs> and secondly, if it looks old, it must be old. Yeah, and those are the myths you're busting. Yeah, those are the main myths that I'm kind of exploding yeah. and saying, well, that's not true. And was that your motivation for writing the book? I, there was uh, some of it was just money. <laughs> <laughs> All that um, money you got for writing it. Yeah. Well, my motivation is not purely myth busting. I don't think there's much point yeah. in just purely yeah. myth busting. Yeah. My motivation is to say, look. It's all right. We make traditions all the time and we need yeah. traditions yeah. because human beings are fundamentally, and I believe this, human yeah. beings are fundamentally religious. Yeah. We need stuff to connect us to something bigger than ourselves. We like ritual. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, I, I didn't want to just myth bust for the sake of exploding and saying it's all a load of rubbish because I don't believe that of Christmas. Mm. I think Christmas is actually really important because at its heart, Christmas is about light in the darkness and mm. hope in times of hardship, and mm. it's about new life, mm. and it's about, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's about joy, mm. and, and it's positioned in the heart of winter. And, mm. and this year, for heaven's sake of all years, we all yeah. need a bit of that absolutely. stuff, don't we? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But it came over as joyful, but it also came over, I thought, very much authentically as you really writing in this kind of, slightly hammed up a bit but you know this grump kind of grumpy old man <laughs> but well-informed grumpy old man story and i thought there were lots of gags 
throughout. Yeah, well, I do try and make... I suppose I've... I've, I loved um, it. (laughs) I've made terms in a sense. Come back to humour, where we're talking about humour. For some time when I was a writer, I was... Um, I I kind of tried to play down the humour a bit because I wanted to be taken Mm. seriously. Yeah. And (laughs) then I realised that nobody was taking me seriously anyway and uh, actually (laughs) I wasn't really enjoying writing the book. So um, I've now realised that um, the humour, like with this this, uh, podcast, the humour is just natural. It's not like I put it on. No, it's not like I say I'm going to be funny. It's just that you kind of think that way and you write that way and i i just think that's that's it there's a way that it helps people yeah. sort of um take the message in more i think good because i think it's vastly superior for sounding authentic and sounding like you so not that you're always a grumpy old i oh, know actually you are um so, <laughs> <laughs> so here's a here's a question has it been received is it too early to say do you know are you getting uh, reviewed what are people saying what did saga say Saga liked it. Um, <laughs> it. It looks like we're going to get some. The, the you know the press are going to be interested. Um, it it's selling quite well apparently. Hooray! So that's a, that's an unusual position for me to be in. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I do. It is written very much for a kind of non-Christian audience. Actually, it doesn't assume. Yeah. yeah. Christianity, and and I really hope that it it reaches out to them, and I really hope that they kind of um, enjoy it. Um, yeah. I suppose. Well, that's a really important point because what you're saying is to our listeners: listen for all your all your relatives and friends who perhaps don't darken the doors <laughs> of a church. This could be an ideal Christmas present. Um, it wasn't what I was saying, but it's, it's, <laughs> I, could, I could be saying. Thank you I'm for saying, saying it, Joe. <laughs> no, yeah. thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I should be on your marketing team. You know that. No, you are my marketing team. (laughs) No, it's terrific. Is there anything else you want to say about the book? I mean, let's just, I mean, we shouldn't go on forever and it's a little bit indulgent. I know you feel uncomfortable because I can see you wriggling in your chair. Is there anything else you want to say to the listeners about it? Uh, Well, I would like to thank them because I think many of them lived with me through the trauma (laughs) of writing this. And there were many podcasts when, uh, you know... um, I began by going. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how it's going, and I, I'm, and you lived with it, and they lived with it, and that's why it's lovely being a part of a kind of community of this yeah. uh, listeners. Yeah. And I do hope they, that uh, you know, they, those who buy it and it really enjoy it. Um, mm. Yeah, I think I come down to that thing. Look, we all need traditions. Mm. We all need to connect with something greater mm. than ourselves, mm. and it's very important actually for us as human beings to create traditions. So, you know, I think enjoy Christmas, have mm. your traditions and, mm. uh, you know, and just just remember that really what we're doing there is it is is about um, the incarnation. It's about, it's about God with us. Mm. Uh, that's not that's not just for Christmas. That's for life, yeah. as the joke yeah. goes. But, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah. it, that's so important. And that's what I'm trying to get over with the book, really. Yeah. No, well, it's great. And and I know it's harder for you to say this, so I can say this. Hey, everyone, just go buy a copy and enjoy it. Absolutely enjoy it. And buy it for your friends because it's great. And, uh, you know, listen to the podcast every week, if you will, um, because that in itself is a tradition. And the Celts were doing it in about AD 6. So, you know, why don't you <laughs> too? <laughs> Um, I'll put some links. Can I say I'll put some links yeah. in the in the show notes to where you can get hold of the book. Um, yeah, St Andrew's Bookshop, for example, is doing it at seven ninety nine at the moment, which is a really good, really good price. So you know, um, support your local bookshop. I would say if you can, okay. support your independent. Oh, That'd be great. You. 
spoken like an author. Uh, and um, so <laughs> here's, here's my idea for next week's episode. I don't know whether we will get enough feedback. I don't know whether people will listen to this podcast in time. But if you are listening and you're likely to be able to write an email before, let's say, next Wednesday, um, we'd love to hear from you. What do you think of the book? What questions do you have for the book's author? If you were to send in enough emails, we would get a free episode out of this, which would be glorious. Episode 139. We wouldn't have to think about it. It would just write itself. So That presupposes we think about the other episodes. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. You're making assumptions. Anyway, listen, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you if you give to the podcast. And we really can't uh, say uh, thank you enough for that. I know Nick is a fantastically best-selling author, rolling about in riches, Mm, um, you know. Bathing in cash. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's what we like to do in our spare time. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) (laughs) but actually, we're both self-employed. And it is so kind if you give to the podcast. So if maybe you've been thinking about giving and haven't, you want to. Uh, if you continue to give, God bless you. Thanks so much. It, it really does mean so much to us, and we're encouraged by you all. And thank you and bless you. And uh, we will see you next week for your reflections on the book Christmas Tradition, Truth, and Total Baubles. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>